Hello everyone, welcome to what is going to be a little bit of a different kind of video. Uh, it's me, Sriram, and what I wanted to do here today is try and compress the lessons I have learned uh, from about 17-18 years of working in the technology industry and really compress them uh, into maybe a 9-10 minute period. And the question which I think you know, I get asked a lot and I have to admit, like used to really haunt me a lot is when you are, you know, going through life, going through work, um, you often see two kinds of people professionally. The first kind are ones who just seem to, one, obviously they have talent, but a lot of people have talent, but they seem to be just really good at grabbing amazing opportunities, climbing the corporate ladder, either it is getting promoted or joining an amazing startup or going on to build something. And you just see them have this exponential arc. And the other kind of person are maybe still talented, but they are kind of going through their career, uh, maybe seeing linear progression and not seeing a lot of growth. Um, and, you know, and I often seen people in the latter category have resentment and trying to figure out like, what am I not doing right? And what I was hoping to do here today is to try and share some of the lessons that I have learned myself personally and that I've not shared anywhere before. So you'll be hearing this for the very first time. And also lessons I have seen from observing many, many others in the technology industry. So let's get started. For the first one, um, you know, what I did to prepare for this video is something I've never done before. I went and hunted down the performance reviews from through my career, uh, through many moments in my career. So this first up, I don't know if you can see it, it's from Microsoft. Uh, it is from my first couple of years. Actually, I work at Microsoft. I was in my very, very early 20s and I was starting off my career. Uh, then next up, I have one from Facebook uh, from about six, seven years after that. Um, I was in my late 20s. And uh, then I have a much longer 360 degree review that I had at Twitter uh, when I was in my mid-30s and I was running a fairly large organization. So three performance reviews from very, very different points in my career. And the reason I did that was I wanted to see what were patterns I could see in my own life, in my own career. And the most interesting thing for me is, uh, you know, if you look at them, you know, when I'm at Microsoft, I'm very young, I barely get started. And there's somebody here, my manager at the time, uh, who I love, uh, you know, Vikram, shout out to you. It's a Sriram has had a very successful year. He's smart, strong, kind of things you say for a young person. And he says one area of feedback for Sriram would be to be more focused. And there's a bunch of other stuff in there. So this is from 2006, 2007. And then if you look at Facebook, this is from 2013, 2014. There are some very, very similar themes. It's me building an ad product for Facebook. And it says, you know, he talks about my energy, my passion, uh, the fact that I can really drive really hard. But also, you know, my manager at the time talks about my lack of focusing skills. And funny enough, if you go to Twitter, uh, this is from way, way later, and I was running a fairly large organization, and you know, I'm like running teams of teams, some similar themes, you know, a lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of public speaking, a lot of customer advocacy, but you know, it says, you know, Sriram sets a very intense pace, could burn out other people, or Sriram can sometimes have a lot of ideas. And here's the thing, if I look at it 
over an 18 year period, it's very clear to me that I've had some very similar strengths and weaknesses over a very long period of time. And this maybe brings me to my first lesson for all of you watching this, um, which is for a successful career, the one of the things that you absolutely have to do is one, maximize the things that you are good at. And second is to try at best mitigate the things that you may be weak at. And this is very important because I think uh, for a lot of people, they look at the weaknesses, um, you get performance feedback, or you basically get uh, people telling you that, uh, hey, these are things you need to do, and this can overwhelm you. But in reality, the things which makes most people successful, uh, either to get an executive job or whether it's to be an amazing founder, is to really sharpen their strengths. And, you know, the reason, you know, I did this, my own performance review and looked it up was it was very, very clear to me that the things which made me successful were my strengths, right? Um, and, you know, I don't want to kind of blow my own horn, but, you know, whatever things that people thought I was good at. And at best, I, you know, I could really kind of manage at times things I was weak at. But what I really learned to do was to surround myself with people who complimented me. And that really helped me out. So first off, I would say the lesson here is, Focus on your strengths, really sharpen them, and then be aware and mitigate your weaknesses. But you can your weaknesses are not going to make you successful. Your strengths, the things that make you unique, those are going to make you successful. Now, the second part of it, the second lesson here, which is kind of a natural extension from the first, is I believe the key to success is to find two or three things in the world that only you can do and just really, really find the intersection of all of it. So for me personally, you know, very, very early on, you know, the things that I love to do and whether, and I used to do this even if I got no feedback and, you know, nobody was telling me that, hey, you should go do it, was one, I love trying to build consumer products and trying to understand how they worked. I would kind of break things down. Second, I love public speaking and public writing, uh, always uh, done that. And third, I just enjoyed meeting new people. And a lot of things which I was not very good at, just to make sure like this is not just me, uh, you know, patting myself on the back. I was not good at deep technology. I was never a good coder, let alone an excellent coder. I was never a structured operator. I was not the person you would want to run the ships on uh, or the trains on time. Um, you know, I had maybe reasonable design skills, but I was not the person you would trust to make something look gorgeous. Some people have an intuitive sense of design. I was not one of them. But what you know, I think served me really well, and this was accidental, and it's only later that I kind of figured out um, you know, how to really sharpen it, was uh, I found myself doing jobs where I could do the intersection of the three. So I would be in these product roles where I had to speak in public or write in public. And then I would, you know, eventually I obviously found my way to venture where I would do a lot of writing in public and then I would meet people. It's part of the core job. And so my lesson uh, learned from this, if I watch other people, is uh, they, the people who are most successful find the things where they alone can do. And this is going to take some self-awareness and self-introspection for you. And then really, really figure out what the intersection of those are and find roles and opportunities that serve you. And one trick for trying to figure out what you may be good at is try and find the things that you do even when no one else is looking. And this may be, you know, you like writing amazing code. Maybe you like trying to understand uh, 
business models of companies. Uh, maybe you like, you know, stringing together some pixels in Figma, whatever the case may be, try and find things that you absolutely enjoy doing and then intersect that with one or two other things. And it is at the intersection of these skills that make you truly, truly unique and make you really stand out. So to steal a line from Kevin Kelly, you know, be the only, right? So what is the thing that only you can do? And often the intersections are the things that only you can do. So that's number two. Number three is a lot of people ask me about how do you plan a career? Uh, you know, what is your strategy? And the truth is, I don't think you really can have a career plan. And here's why. First, uh, if you are in technology um, or in pretty much any industry, it is going to change very rapidly. The kind of roles that are open to you today will not be the kind of roles that are open to you five years from now or 10 years from now. Uh, you know, second, you will change. Uh, the kind of person I am at 40 is not the kind of person that I was at 30, definitely not the kind of person I was at 20, making my you know way into my first job at Microsoft. And so what do you do? And I think what you have to, the way to think about it is you build up skills um, and then you look for the intersection of those skills, which opportunities coming by. Let me explain. So for skills, right, like you have to think about, okay, in every role I am in, what is this place or what is this opportunity teaching me? For example, uh, maybe you are a fantastic individual engineer and somebody says, hey, would you like to go manage this team? And this may be a great way for you, even though you love engineering and writing code yourself, to go and learn how it is to manage people, how to manage personalities, how to get the best out of them. That is a skill. You don't have it on day zero. You will be reasonable at day 30. If you do it for a few years, maybe you might get very good at it, but that is going to be a skill. Maybe that's a different kind of skill. Maybe you are in a very classic kind of product role and somebody says, hey, we need you to kind of stretch into marketing or we need you to stretch into finance and doing these kind of putting on multiple, multiple hats. Like that may be a different kind of thing for you to go stretch into. So what you should look at is to try and figure out how to hone and keep building new skills. And think of this as potential energy. It is like a spring which is coiled up waiting to explode. And the way to have it explode is when you see the right opportunity passing by, which, and that opportunity may be, you know, one of your friends who wants to go work on an amazing company or your ex-boss messages you on LinkedIn and says, hey, uh, I have this thing that when I'm building out a new team. I really love the work that you did. We are going to come uh, have you work with us. Or maybe a podcaster that you work with wants to launch a new kind of content or a new YouTube channel and say, hey, look, uh, I love your energy. Come on things with us. And those opportunities, you, you'll be ready for them and you can seize them. So, but those opportunities will probably not come your way unless you had the skills in the first place. Now, that's step number one. Step number two is to actually be aware and recognize these opportunities coming by and know when to swing at them. And I think one tragedy I see with a lot of people is they have amazing skill, amazing talent, and they spend their 20s and 30s working in one or two places. And they kind of like said no. They said no to the amazing hot rocket ship company. They said no to this guy who is building a startup and who then, you know, uh, goes on to build a generational company. Or maybe they said no to X, Y, and Z. And then when their 40s or their 50s, they are like, oh, wait, I could have had a very different slope in my career 
if I had just been aware and swung at a few of these things. And the, I'm not saying you should just be bouncing around from role to role, but I am saying you should keep your always your eye out or your ear out and be watching for, hey, what is happening? What is the thing? And can my skills get me through the door? And if you don't have the skills, you're not going to get invited to the dance. And unless you're ready for invite to the dance and unless you're watching out for it, you won't show up at the dance anyway. So that is number three. Now, this is an interesting one. You have to know what great work looks like to be able to do it. And I didn't realize this uh, for many, many years in my career uh, until I joined Facebook in 2013. Because when I was at Microsoft, which is an amazing company, I was much earlier in my career and Microsoft was a very, very mature company which had tens of thousands of employees. Um, when I joined Facebook, this was peak Facebook. Uh, they were growing dramatically. They had some of the most amazing talent working for them. Uh, they were amazing at what they did. Like every engineer was really good. Uh, every uh, The lawyers were fantastic. Trust me, it takes a long way, long time for you to figure out who are bad lawyers and good lawyers in corporate America. Facebook had some of the best ones. And you know, for me, only when I joined Facebook and spent a year there, I realized, oh wow, this is what great work looks like because I am surrounded by great people. And so one lesson for people uh, watching this is you got to put yourself into situations where you are surrounded by great people. Uh, I was recently listening to a podcast with Austin Reeves, who kind of like, you know, this breakout young star from the Lakers. And he was talking about being LeBron James's teammate, you know, arguably one of the greatest players of all time. And he's asking LeBron, like, hey, what is your routine like? And like, what are you doing? And LeBron, you know, pulls out his phone, sets calendar, and he says, oh, you know what? Like, you know, so tomorrow is my off day, so I'm going to go get my massage. I'm going to get this, you know, uh, cryo chamber thing done. Then I'm doing this other therapy. And basically, I had this whole structured regimen around recovery. Um, and Austin goes, wow, right? Like, this guy is so focused on taking care of himself. He has a regimen. He has a protocol. And unless you are exposed to something like that. You don't even know that such kind of work is possible or this is kind of like, you know, this is what being at the top or this is what A plus work really looks like. And so if you're young or if you're anywhere in your career, if you have a chance where you can be near great people, uh, people at kind of the top of the industry, seize it. And I did this once. Uh, when I was in my 20s, uh, you know, I just moved to the United States uh, for Microsoft. And one of the people I really looked up to was a guy named Dave Cutler. And for those of you who don't know Dave Cutler, Dave Cutler was one of the most iconic, uh, or is one of the most iconic operating system builders, and maybe one of the most legendary programmers of all time, was the father of DC, built Windows NT, uh, you know, Xbox kernel. He's really a leg industry uh, legend. And when I joined, uh, when I joined uh, Microsoft, he's a little bit, you know, uh, he's a little older. I think he was in his 60s. But I knew, like, okay, I had a limited window of time and I was like a random no one. I need to find a way to get close to this guy. So I joined a team where I knew he was working on something and nobody knew much about what the team was doing. Except I was like, just Cutler there. I don't need to go work on it. And that team was building a cloud operating system. Hint, this became Windows Azure. But what I would do every single day is I would find ways to hang out around Dave Cutler's office. Or when I was, I would show up on a weekend. And because like you would show up on weekends and I would just be outside his door and I would strike up a conversation when he's on his way to the bathroom or the coffee machine. And I built a relationship with him. And, and I, in 
you know, I only spent like a couple of a couple of years there, uh, overlapping with them. But I learned so much of work ethic from Cutler. Like that guy was a machine. He would check in code every single day, um, and I was like, wow, this is what being one of the greatest looks like. And that left such a huge impression on me. And that would not have been possible unless I kind of seeked him out. So you have to figure out a way where you're putting yourself into a situation where you are getting to learn from the very best in the industry. Now, this is kind of brings me to something else, uh, which I always think about, which is if you have the very best in the industry, you need to know how do you learn from them and you need to make yourself better uh, in a very structured manner. Um, and so what does it mean? So let us say you are a product manager, like I was for a long period of time. I thought to myself, okay, who are the people to do this job You know, at the very best of their game? And let me go seek them out. And so when I was younger, uh, one of the people I really admired was Jay Allard at Microsoft, uh, the father of the Xbox. And I would you know, go consume everything he had said and written. Um, and um, and then when I was inside Microsoft, I found a way to meet him. But even before that, I would just kind of listen to every single interview. I would go watch uh, uh, every uh, single talk he had done. And I learned a lot of lessons. Like, for example, he would talk about how, you know, he wanted to make sure he understood how, you know, people who are not in technology used products and how they thought about buying things. This was obviously earlier era before, you know, we had Amazon. And so what he would do is he would go to Target or Costco and you just get a snack and you just hang out all day and you just watch people, right? You'd be like, what are people browsing? Like, how do they talk to the salesman who's trying to sell them the TV or whatever the thing may be? And you just observe how regular people were acting. And it was just a hobby. You just do that on a weekend. And, um, you know, that left a big impression on me, right? Like, and even to this day, I'm always trying to seek out, you know, I'm not going to start, you know, I'm not going physical stores because a lot of this happens online, but I'm always trying to understand, like, okay, am I spending time trying to understand how people who are not like me are using uh, technology? But at the time, I was like trying to figure out, okay, what is someone at the very top of my industry, in that case, Jay Allard, what is he doing? And then can I steal from it? Um, another person who I learned a lot from, um, and just to give you very specific examples, was when I was at Facebook, Facebook had some of the best product leaders running advertising. And one person I learned a lot from was Rob Goldman. And Rob Goldman was a VP of product at, on advertising. And he was one of the best at understanding metrics and numbers in ways that blew my mind. And I couldn't figure out how. And what I did one morning was I went to Rob and I said, hey, look, how is it that you're on top of every single dashboard, every single metric? You're so aware of things in a way that I've just seemed incapable of. And, you know, Rob, first of all, everyone is flattered when you ask them how they do uh, what they do. So you always use that opportunity. Uh, second, he sat me down and he said, look, every day I, when I get my coffee, I open up every single dashboard that Facebook has and I look at every single graph and I look at, well, this graph went this way, when SRA went that way and what's going on. And uh, he would go find it out. And he built that into a system, and over time, that became such a core muscle. And even now, if you have, if you talk to engineers who are working with me every day, I look at a graph and I'm like, hey, what is happening with that graph? And that's such an inbuilt skill. So, um, now these are examples which are germane to me and my career. Uh, I've done the same with venture capital, uh, or you know, now I'm trying to work on like you know, politics and policy. But for you, whatever it is you may be doing, whether you are a content creator or whether you are a you know, an engineer, you know, go seek out the very best and understand how they work, what they use, what their tools are, how they spend their day, what they look for, um, you know, um, read their interviews, get to know them, and then you can steal from them and, you know, incorporate them into your own routines. And that is how you become better. Okay. Now, here's a very, very important one. 
I think if you spend enough time in technology industry, you see two kinds of people. Like you see people who are very, very quickly ascending up the ladders and sometimes people who are, you know, maybe don't have that fast, uh, you know, kind of career velocity. And often the one, the thing that the first group has is they have a fantastic mentor and having a mentor or having a sponsor is the difference between uh, running your own organization, being a C-level exec, and not having those kinds of opportunity. Um, because what happens is when you are connected to another senior figure or somebody who has career velocity and you become part of the trusted circle, when that person gets opportunities and they wind up climbing up, right? they're going to pull you along with them. And when I look at, I would say pretty much every successful executive, not a founder, not a CEO kind of startup, but somebody who kind of was appointed or promoted in a role, they probably had some sort of a sponsor who they've kind of followed along in their uh, career. And you see this pattern over and over and over again. So if you are earlier in your career, you need to seek out who's going to be my sponsor, who's going to be this person who's going to open doors, who I can follow from job to job or from team to team, and they're going to kind of keep pulling me along with them, right? And when you say in your 20s, they're going to uh, get you into the next role. When you're in your 30s, when they run organizations, they're going to have you run a team. Uh, when you're in your 40s, maybe they'll think of retiring. They're going to have you run companies or maybe put you on boards. But you'll always see this pattern of having a sponsor who always pulls along somebody else with them. And this is so key. Now, the question is then becomes, how do you find such a sponsor? And this is really hard because this is a two-way relationship. You have to do great work. And so the best way is what I said earlier is you want to kind of find teams where great people are working and hopefully you do great work and you're noticed by them and, you know, they're like, huh, I want to work with, you know, um, you know, Bob here is doing amazing work. I want to pull Bob or pull Jane and I want to have them working with me all the time. That's a great way to do it. But let us say you're like, okay, well, I don't know who to actually seek out or I don't know, you know, who to go work with. One hack or one trick I think you should do is try and find in your organization or in your team, who are the people that everyone goes to? Who is a who is an engineer that, you know, when the site goes down, everyone's like, hey, th this is the guy we need. Or who is a person that when the team is in trouble, the CEO takes that person, sticks them into this new team and says, hey, listen, I don't know what the mess is. I don't know what's going on. Help sort this out for me. There's always somebody in every company, often many people who are trusted, who have had many, many past victories um, and who have credibility within the organization. Go seek them out, right? And then go hang out with them. Grab coffee with them. Learn lessons from them and be in their vicinity. And pretty soon you will learn more and maybe you, know, you can build a relationship with them where they'll be like, huh, I want to work with this person too. Now, a couple of other things. Uh, first, I would say writing is always is a superpower because the thing about writing is it is impossible to write well without actually having done the work. So if you're going to write first, you know, you might actually have to go understand like, hey, how does this team operate? How does this market operate? And one of my piece of advice to anybody new in a job is one of the best ways to win credibility as someone new in a team is to go write a document. Right, like you, you know, maybe you go interview twenty customers and you say, "Listen, you know what? I'm new. I listen to twenty. I talk to twenty customers, and this is what they told me." Or maybe you go talk to uh, you know a, a bunch of different teams and you say, "Listen, I spoke to all the teams, and this is what they think of us. So this is what they think the problems are." And you're the new person. You can do that. You can aggregate things, and that document one is going to show people that you put in the work and who you are. 
And second, it is going to give you an excuse to start building relationship with these people. So writing often frequently is such a superpower, highly, highly, highly recommended internally and um, externally. Uh, and you know, over time, I found that some of the people are very successful uh, in their careers at a Facebook, at a Google, anywhere are fantastic writers. They write memos, they write fantastic emails, Slack messages, maybe not Slack messages, but they definitely write a lot of documents and you should learn to write too. And it is a muscle. The more you do it, the better idea you're going to get. And trust me, more, not, not a lot of people do it. So it is kind of like a secret weapon, uh, which nobody knows of. Uh, and if you're watching this, just do it. And it's going to serve you super well. And now, maybe most importantly, build relationships. And you know, a lot of people ask us questions about networking. Like, how do I network? And we did an entire episode on networking, which I recommend people watch because that is an expanded version of this. But really, you know, the thing which propels you in your career is not just the work you do, it is the people you do work with. And the more you seek out amazing people, the more you stay in touch with the people who have already done work with you, the more it is going to serve you well. And, uh, you know, it's going to keep you uh, on a great career path. So, for example, make sure that you are grabbing a drink or a coffee, whatever the case may be, with an ex-coworker. Uh, make sure you are seeking out your manager's peers and getting a sense of what they're thinking about. Or maybe your CEO, if uh, he or she is accessible. Like those relationships, uh, building those ties is going to be so key to ha get, letting you have the power to get things done. And that is a difference between somebody who... Uh, is who's thought of as like, hey, this is a guy I need. If I'm if I have a problem, I'm going to put this person in because he has the credibility or she has the credibility to sort things out. Versus not getting those kinds of opportunities. Finally, I will say, you know, maybe one of the most important and maybe underrated things is go finish things. I know a lot of people uh, in their career who have started a lot of projects. They have started multiple teams, or you know, they have started an effort, but. True credibility comes from shipping things. You know, when I was at Microsoft, they used to give this huge award. Uh, I had a few of these. Uh, it's in uh, somewhere where you get it when you ship a product. Obviously, there's box software, so you could ship things. Uh, you know, uh, companies, uh, when they go public or they have a milestone, they give out swag. But those are either, th those are really symbols of you seeing something through to completion. And when I do a reference check or when people do reference checks, you know, the thing which sets somebody apart from greatness to from just being merely good is did they finish a thing did you see something through from the idea all the way to all the experiments and iterations that it takes to actually success or failure it doesn't really matter success or failure but did you see it all the way to the end because if you see it all the way to the end even if it is a failure people will remember that because it's a sign of commitment it's a sign of sticking with things um and so you know, there are two reasons I think for you to kind of just stick with things and finish things. First is, you know, it is going to just reflect super well on you and your kind of like show of commitment. Second, it's where you get great pride from. When I look back upon my career, some of my fondest memories are things which I've completed, uh, you know, building an ad network at uh, uh, Facebook, you know, launching the very first version of Windows Azure. Those are things which are hard. It took like over a year or a couple of years of work, but I was there from kind of the beginning to the end. And I take a lot of pride. And when you spend 10 free years in this job, you look at like, well, what I do? And those are things which you remember. You're like, ha, I saw this all the way to completion. And that is your body of work. Right? That's like, you know, Nolan looking at his movies or, you know, uh, an artist looking at their albums. That's going to give you so much pride and joy and you'll always talk about them. So finish things that you started and it is going to serve you really, really well. And so 
this really all I had, you know, I want to do this because I want to kind of really boil down some of the thoughts and advice that I've tried to kind of com- uh, collect over the years. Uh, it went a little longer than uh, 10 minutes I was hoping to, but hopefully, hopefully you enjoy this, send me thoughts and questions, and hopefully it serves you well. Uh, until then, thanks. Bye.